Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here uh, with me, Matthew Lestalia. I Today, I'm going to be doing an episode that's all about why people are quitting, right? And so I wanted to take a look. I wanted to go back a little bit in the past and see what were the reasons people were quitting before the pandemic and what are the reasons people are saying that they are quitting now during the pandemic or towards the end. So I found a couple of research studies, one from Gallup that was conducted in 2018 that gave a top six for this, and another one for from Pew Research uh, study that conducted a survey in 2021 um, as to the top reasons why people were voluntarily quitting their jobs. <clears throat> and I think that this is particularly important right now because of the quantum leap that we're experiencing when it comes to people that are quitting, people that are voluntarily leaving their jobs. So for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, like I said, my name is Matthew Lestalia. Um, I am the founder and chief talent strategist here at Resilient Talent Solutions. This is a company that I actually founded uh, that's the purpose is to bridge the gap between CEOs and what, what CEOs want and what employees want, right? What businesses want and what, and what their talent wants. Um, I think that in the recent years, the desires of the employees have really started to evolve. They started to transform from what we've been experiencing essentially from the start of our modern working society um, really ever. Like we, we're making a shift and, and not a shift to unknown territory, but a shift that we haven't seen um, in the workforce, to my knowledge, ever, uh, which I th think is actually pretty cool. But it can also be very frustrating for businesses that aren't recognizing why this is taking place. And that's kind of the reason I wanted to talk about this today. Um, and it's the reason why I wanted to start this business is because I believe that we're shifting, the workforce is shifting into what I see as the third rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that this has to be the new baseline for organizations who are in the hunt to not only find and not only attract and, and you know, acquire new talent, but to actually keep that talent there, right? And interestingly enough, keeping talent in your organization, taking the, the steps and the actions to keep quality teammates, team members in your organization is the same kind of actions and activities and, and really the underlining philosophies that are going to attract that talent that you want to bring to your organization as well. So it's kind of beautiful um, in a sense that you don't have to do two different lines of effort. If you take one well thought out line of line of effort, you can really make a big difference um, in this part of your organization. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to help. Um, so I wanted to, like I said, today we're going to talk about the quit rates. Um, they have been skyrocketing, right, over the past two years, and particularly since November of 2021, where we saw something like 4.53 million people quit their jobs, and essentially we've been hovering in the mid 4.3, 4 4.5 region for like the last six, seven months at this point, 
which is pretty incredible. Um, the good news is that, you know, we have data now that we can use to answer the big question, you know, um, whether the reasons for people quitting over time have changed or not. You know, is, is this, is there an evolution in the reason why people are, why people are leaving? And, and as I posited, you know, in the intro, I think that there is a new subtle baseline that's being established there, but let's, let's actually hear from the people, you know, like this is, this is my theory and this is what I'm operating based off of, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. We should always go back to empirical data. We should try to go and do some real fact finding. And that's what I did because I always want to challenge my assumptions and, and, and my, my hypotheses. Um, and so that's what we're going to do today. But first, in order to, uh, before we dive into the, the actual results from the survey and we find out what the people are saying, I really wanted to dive into a little practical exercise when it came to um, addressing the why, right? Why are people quitting now? Why, like, what are the reasons that we think what, how, what are we postulating? What have we been hearing that people have been saying um, kind of in the ether, like just through news articles and, and, and different organizations that, that are covering this? Uh, what have the narratives that have been crafted, what are those saying? Um, and for the ones that I've been hearing, just kind of like from my circles and what, I'm, what I've found just reading are non- statistically based articles online um what i am seeing is that remote work is a huge one right so there's like the mass adoption of remote work that is playing a big part and why is that and it, what is being talked about is that people are being able to apply for and be hired into positions that are that they are not geographically tied to right so basically i'm here in the middle of indiana but if i found a job that was willing to hire me remotely that's in new york city or in los angeles i you know and they're willing to have me work full-time remotely i can do that and so people that are there that would be opting for the job now have more competition in the fact that other people are able to go in there and uh and kind of compete with them um, but also, it means that I can leave my smaller nexus of, of job opportunities that I'm surrounded by here, you know, in, in not a major hub or city of Terre Haute, and I can look elsewhere, right? I can look out around the world. And actually, interestingly, I, I kind of fall into this category, not, not exactly. So I was in the military for... 11 just over 11 years and when I was getting separated I was actually getting uh, medically separated because I had an injury from when I was airborne I had a nasty fall herniated some discs and that's uh not really conducive to the the very large rucksack carrying and running and basic soldiering right you got to be able to do that stuff so um couldn't really do that so much anymore they did a really great job of of working with me. Um, I actually stayed in the army for like seven or eight 
maybe even nine years <laughs> after after the injury um, because I was able to to work with them and, and try to find a way and it, it just you know it progressed to the point where it wasn't gonna work out so we were kind of in agreement that the you know, arm was like you can't really do this anymore and I was like I can't really do it anymore so uh, it was time for me to move on and uh, and when I did I was able to catch a position uh, with this software company that's based out of London and it was a remote gig and this was just and it was actually I started interning with them uh, in April of 2020 so like right when COVID was hitting and so they weren't and so this is like I said my my story kind of falls a little bit out of the the perfect narrative because one I wasn't voluntarily quitting even though I was the one that submitted the packet. That's we don't need to go into the details there. It's not pertinent to what's going on. I'm just saying it's not a, it's not a perfect match. And also they were offering this remote position prior to COVID. So they they were a business that was already looking to hire somebody remotely prior to COVID kicking off. But they did uh cancel their lease on their building um where all the people were working in person and so everyone there was working remote full time. And occasionally they'd get together for drinks. You know, that was like that was it. Um, okay, but that was one, right? Remote work. Uh, another one was vaccines. Vaccine mandates was another one that I heard a lot about. Uh, people were wanting to quit or there was a lot of talk of people wanting to quit. I don't know. I never actually saw numbers on this, but uh, this is one where I really felt like it kind of came and went, you know what I mean? And it's probably just because the mandates didn't end up going through. And so when that got held up by the district courts, uh, I don't remember which one, but um but yeah, when those when that didn't end up taking place, uh, it seemed like that kind of narrative fell apart. But that was one that was floating around. Um, and then there was another. Then there's another kind of. Uh, I I the way that I wrote this down, the way when I was thinking, you know, working on this show in this episode, I was thinking about. Uh, you know, I've wrote down childcare and work environment, right? And so childcare is just, it's like a one example of kind of external requirements impacting, you know, external uh, requirements and and time and, you know, in uh, care of children. And then the financial, re- you know, requirements that come hand in hand with that. And so in any, so anything else that falls into that category is kind of where that, that, um, this is where I'm coming from, but childcare is typically the one that, that always comes up, which I get because I got kids and they're all school age. So that's helpful until summer comes around. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, so this also actually, uh, it feeds a bit into the remote work. Um, you know, oftentimes people end up feeling like they're stuck in their positions, uh, before the pandemic and before remote work was really, you know, adapted on mass. And they were kind of compelled financially uh, to stay with the consistency of the paycheck that they knew was coming in with their company, you know, even though they were struggling. It's like they were struggling, but they, they knew their, that struggle. And they, they're like, okay, well, this sucks, but I know this suck. And I don't, like, I'm too scared to venture out to see what a different kind of suck is. Uh, and so when places started to shut down, you know, and then opportunities started to pop up for remote work, then the dynamics started to shift. And when certain places that they were working at were not, were um, in this kind of unique situation where, you know, you're working at a place and then, you know, COVID, we hit the, the, you know, 
the mass hysteria in the beginning and then uh we respond and everyone goes home and and the people that can remote work are remote working and then you know if you have this scenario where people are you know things are starting to kind of calm down people can go back in uh businesses were wanting people to come back in and some people were like no i'm good (laughs) you know and that could be for numerous reasons it could have been for safety concerns it could have been because of the factors that i'm talking about in this case where you know you're you're alleviating a lot of the stresses if you're you know if you're home you know you don't have to your kids can be home and you don't have to pay for childcare, and so that's a huge you know a huge saver and then it also goes hand in hand with like i said as i put childcare and environment environmental factors like work environmental factors factors such as uh you know like a toxic work environment working around people that you don't really enjoy or appreciate guess what you don't have to really deal with that anymore you know a zoom meeting here uh you know ms teams meeting there and that's it you know and so that eliminated a lot of those stressors and and those things um for people and so those were kind of the ones that i saw that were circulating the most just in my circles and kind of what i was seeing but let um let's dive into the the numbers shall we right let's do that so what i found okay so let's start let's start with 2018 right so this is the gallup poll from 2018 and what this showed was i'm going to work my way from like the lowest to the top so this was six so we had the the two percent of the population um and again this is the based off sample um a sample survey so you know take it for what it's worth gallup's typically pretty good i think so um, but two percent of the respondents said that job security was a reason that they were voluntarily leaving their jobs, right? Which is interesting. So it's it's a sense of like I'm not secure in this job. I'm leaving because I probably found another job that was a you know a little bit more secure, and I didn't really have to worry about um, you know whether or not I was going to be laid off. Um, and then inflexibility was laid on as number five, and that was eight percent. And so that was a uh, people's inability to to you know get kind of changes and and you know change working hours and um maybe to go to the doctor you know during during business hours and stuff like that you know just just the kind of flexibility that you would kind of hope that comes with the job um so that you can also do your adulting and parenting stuff as well um and then we have management slash environment, which is super interesting. And this is where it jumps up. So over double. So that was 2% for job security, 8% for inflexibility, 17% for management and environment. All right, that's pretty big. It's a pretty big one, right? And so they're basically people are saying like, I don't like the way that this place is run, you know? And this is seven, almost 20% of the people that felt this way. Uh, again, this is 2018. That was number four, number three. Three, yes, that's correct. Number three, uh, lack of fit to the job. Now, so this is actually really important. I'm glad that, they, that there was a distinction here because I could have seen management and environment being lack of fit for the job. But the fact that they broke this up into two different categories, people had options, right? And so people were selecting one or the other. And so it wasn't so with management and environment, people weren't saying that you know I didn't really fit in with them there. It just wasn't really like my kind of groove. They're like. I was not good. Like, the, it was bad. Right? And so that's a whole different problem set. 
um, than lack of fit. And you'll get into a job and you're like, you know what? This isn't like the job isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't the right fit. Like I just thought it was going to be different, which is um, we're going to get into this, but it's very controllable factor <laughs> that uh, you can you can really um, manipulate or uh, or, you know, amend and adjust as a leader and as a supervisor. Here I am all unprofessional with my phone making sounds and stuff. How how dare I? How dare I? So, um, okay, so that was number three. Number two from 2018 Gallup survey review was pay and benefits combined as one as 22%. Oh, and I don't think I gave you the numbers for the last one. Lack of fit to job was 20 over 20% by a little bit, 20.2%. Um, so it's one fifth, one out of five people that quit their jobs said it was because it was a lack of fit. Almost one out of five people, uh, left because of poor management and, uh, inhospitable environments, 22% because pay and benefits. And so it's, that's a tough one because that's, you know, what you were hired for pay uh, and benefits. So if you're voluntarily leaving, it means that you got another job. So this would this would be best if they were able to go a little bit deeper into these questions and say, you know, were you able to find like did you did you leave your industry, right? Did you do a whole new career field where you were able to get better pay and benefits, or were you able to find like find another competitor. So say you were a, a sales rep at REI um, and then you were able and you were making, I don't know, $70,000 a year. And then you were able to find a job offer from it's another sports place. I don't know, finish line or something that's not comparable. But at any rate, you get the idea. You get a you get an offer from somebody that's in the same industry doing the same job. You're going to be a sales rep there for 85 grand, you know, a year. Um, if anything, those situations would probably flipped around if that were the case, but I digress. So it would, I'm just saying that that would be, uh, that would be good to know. That'd be good information to have. All we know is it says paying benefits for the reasons they voluntarily quit. So, um, and then number one and numero uno for this, um, for leaving your job and as of 2018. So this is, again, this is just before the pandemic, uh, kicked off, you know, um, a year or so. So, um, they said no advancement opportunities, right? So people, this is huge because this is, this is pretty well-founded in a lot of the industrial and organizational psychology that a lot of the, um, talent managers and HR people should, uh, be well-versed in if they are not. Um, a lot of them do have degrees there, which is good and important. Um, but it's pretty well established that, you know, being able to advance, being able to, to see a challenge, go after the challenge, you know, take it on and then overcome it. Uh, that's, that's huge. It makes a, uh, you know, there's a motivational factor, you know, where you are achieving, you are feeling what you achieve, right? Like you, you have something set out, you have a goal, you, you work hard, you work consistently and then you do what you need to do and you get to that next level. And then there's like a new 
level of a new a new problem set almost. And so there's a lot of embedded stuff in there too, uh, between novelty and skill challenge and, and and things like that. There's there's a lot of psychology there, and so it's not terribly surprising um, to me that this was number one. But this is 2018, right? So let us shift to now to 2021 again obviously it's 2022 but can't really give data for why people quit in 2022 until the year's over right so 2021 is the best we got that's what we're gonna roll with so this was top 10 um they gave us a little bit more and the way they conducted their survey was a little bit different they actually gave a um so they gave uh the list of the top 10 and it was broken down um they they had the like as reasons listed and they had major reason and minor reason and then they kind of took a mathematical equation from those to to come up with like the the average percentage that's probably not the right term i'm not great at statistics i'm taking statistics right now <laughs> so i'm getting better but uh but it doesn't really matter the point is that number 10 and what I'm going to do is I will give you the numbers for the top 10 and I will give you the, the kind of aggregated percentage and I'll give you the, um, like the, the level of like primary concern that this was like the, how it was listed for a major, uh, impact, you know, and not a minor one. So like, the, like, it's like, this is the main reason why they left. Right. So. Number 10 was too few hours coming in at aggregated 30%. Um, and a for people's major concern, it was 16%. Uh, number nine, too many hours, right? So, like, to me, this all goes into the flexibility, right? And so how many times do people shift back and forth between there? But at any rate, um, it's interestingly enough, that's kind of might not be the case because of another one that we'll see here in a second. So too few hours, number 10, at 16% for people's major, uh, that was the major reason why they left. Major reason percent, uh, uh, major reason people left too many hours they were working was 20%. Inability to relocate. Now, this is interesting. 22%. 22% of respondents said that a major reason why they quit their job was an inability to relocate. That is terribly interesting to me. That is like, that is a huge difference between uh, the 2018 and the 2021 results. So that's pretty cool. Um, moving on, though, we will we'll we'll dive into this stuff. Um, so benefits. This is an interesting thing too. Is that they actually separated pay and benefits. So benefits was um, ten, nine, eight, seven. Ten. Yep, seventh. I got it. I can do math. See, check me out. Um, benefits was twenty three percent major reason, forty three percent aggregated. But twenty three percent of respondents said that a major reason why they quit their jobs was not the benefits were not good enough. And then looking at uh, number six, inflexible hours, right? And so this was different. So this they, they really did suss out the difference between too few hours, too many hours, and inflexible hours. So. Uh, this is, you know, people wanted the ability to adjust their working hours. And so now who knows the reason? Maybe it was, uh, maybe they wanted to work 40 hour work weeks, but maybe they wanted to be able to, to move those around. Um, you know, maybe you have events that you need to participate in, especially with kids and school or, 
appointments and what have you. And if you had the ability to say, okay, well, I got to take, you know, three hours off this afternoon, but I can, I can come and do more work this evening. And there's, if you're not doing something that's dependent on timeframes, uh, like that would be hard to do in certain sales gigs. If you are especially business to business, because if you're reaching out to people, then in a business, then you need to kind of be able to get a hold of them during business hours. Um, so that'd be hard to make up there. So, I mean, that's, that. I think that's part of it, you know, reasons and, and jobs like that. Um, bumping up to four is childcare issues, right? And that was one of the ones that I had actually thrown out there um, as things that I had been hearing. And so um, that's, not surprising that was 24%. So inflexible hours and childcare issues were actually both 24 24% of respondents said that those were major issues for why they why they were quitting. Now, here's a new one kind of, I think. Um disrespected at work, right? That was 50% aggregated. 35% of respondents said that, that was a major reason why they quit because they felt disrespected at work. That's a very specific um claim kind of general i mean specific compared to the last one like the the best we'll do an alignment check here in a second as soon as i get done with all these um we'll align them and then we're gonna break it down a little bit um so the that was number three 35 percent man 35 percent of people that's that's a that's quite a bit that's quite a bit Move, but moving on second number two number two of 2021 the uh, top reasons why people voluntarily left their jobs. Um, this was, again, Pew Research. So number two, no advancement. No advancement opportunities. There it is again. There it is again. So we can see how important that is to people. Disres uh, disrespected at work, number three. No advancement, number two. And that was, uh, interestingly, so the, the way that they ranked these was actually based off of the aggregated um, between the majors and the minors. So, uh this was 63% aggregated but it was actually 33% um major issue so so as a as a major issue is actually lower than disrespected at work but there were so many people that had put that in as minor issues that it actually bumped it up so that's really interesting that no advancement made its way really high on the list but not necessarily as a major issue that's interesting. Number one, number one reason why people left their jobs, 2021, pay, money, gotta get that green, baby. <laughs> and so um, I actually have a very interesting take on this. So this was, um, we'll get into that, like I said, in a second. Um, this was 63%, so it was actually tied for the aggregated amount with no advancement. So those were kind of tied for number one, um, but it outshot it by 4% in the major side, right? In the major reason. So it was 37% of respondents said that this was a, a major contributing factor to them voluntarily quitting their jobs in the year 2021. Um, oh, you know what? I missed the bottom one because it was on the next page of my notes. Um, the bottom one is actually, was actually another one we talked about. It was vaccine mandates. Vaccine mandates, 18% aggregated number of people quitting their jobs voluntarily in 2021. 8% of, of respondents said that they quit um, 
primarily or as a major factor, as a major result of vaccine mandates. So that's, I mean, that's not insignificant. It's 10, almost 10% of people. So that's, um, I said it came and went, but it definitely came. You know, the, the proof's in the pudding. Eight, you know, almost 10% of people said that they quit. So let us look at the alignment. What, Where do these line up? So I don't know if you guys were writing or taking notes, but assuming that you're just enjoying yourself and having a good time, um, I did it for you. So an alignment check. Um, so working myself from the bottom to the top, the way the alignments that I found were flexibility, right? And so this was like kind of hours, uh, you know, too many hours, not enough hours, uh, inflexible hours um, combined with, um, let's see, with inflexibility that was put in the first one. So, um, so that came in and I had, I did basically do these in the top four. So flexibility came in at fourth management slash environmental. Um, and I did this with disrespect. I kind of called those the same because I don't think, I think it's, well, I mean, I guess it really covers. I was going to say, I don't think that people would quit their jobs because of their coworkers being disrespectful. It would be more likely because of their managers, but um, the fact that the, the previous survey I discussed, um, the Gallup in 2018 talked about management and environment. It kind of covers both of those. And so I think that's a good alignment because I think if you are working around a group of people that are generally disrespectful of, you know, you and, you know, or things that you believe in, even if it's not to you directly, I could see that being, you know, if you had an opportunity somewhere else, why would you stay? Um, number... And so I did this by by working out the averages of like their placements on each one and then kind of averaging them together. And so I had number two being pay and benefits um, uh, and then number one being lack of opportunities of advancement. So that is, those are the alignments and I have the outliers kind of being fit to job, uh, which could be tied in there as well. Um, and then job security, which could also fit under management and environment and then vaccine stuff, which is just, that is a pure pandemic specific, uh, reality that we had to deal with. So what's the takeaway, right? What do we do with this information? It's cool, right? You know, like I went through and I read all these studies and I read these surveys and I got the information and we talked about it, you know, and we figured out what the alignment was. And, and now we can kind of see that there's, you know, there are alignments between 2018 and 2021. And so what does that mean? What does it mean that there's alignments? I want to look at this from two perspectives, right? So I'm going to give you kind of a strategic, big picture, 30,000 foot above ground level view of the problem set. And I wanted to, to, with each one, I wanted to take a more tactical approach. So a strategic approach and a tactical approach to each one of these. And, and, and kind of ways that you can you can think about the problem within your organization and the ways that you can actually uh, take steps to mitigate these as being reasons why people are leaving. Now, before I get into those, before I get into the strategic and tactical uh, approaches to addressing these within your organization, I wanted to first make a recommendation to you guys. And this is not this is not to be confused with an ad. I, I kinda, I'm inspired to do this by listening and watching to podcasts who like run ads. Um, but I, what I wanted to do is I don't want to run ads on the on the show. What I want to do is I want to 
do free promotions for things that I truly believe in, that I participate in, that I actually do, that I think will be beneficial for you guys. So the one I wanted to recommend, so, and, and these are going to vary, right? So I'm going to do like one each episode. And the one I wanted to do this time was uh, based on more of the business side of the house and, and networking. There's other ones I'm, gonna, I'm going to be talking about that'll be uh, like physical fitness and books and articles and podcasts and stuff like that. Just just stuff that I think that's interesting that I think that you guys would also find interesting. So today's recommendation is the Nomad Network. And this is, this is an amazing group of human beings, right? They're entrepreneurs, artists, leaders in their industries. Um, it's people that come together to share their knowledge and support each other as they as they continue to work on their businesses. This is especially for like aspiring entrepreneurs. So if you're out there and you're kind of aspiring, you're building up and especially you're looking at how to create a team or you've got a small team together, this is really good for you guys. Um, and the beautiful thing here is it's its own social network. So it doesn't it doesn't come with any of the burdens or, or you know, uh, negative connotations that come with some of the other social media landscape and, and companies that are out there right now. It doesn't its whole own um, ecosystem of sorts. And so if you wanted to check that out, I can't recommend it enough. Check it out at nomadnetwork.app. Um, nomad, N-O-M-A-D, network.app. Again, this is, I'm not a sponsor, this is not a sponsor of the show. This is simply something that I believe brings true value and, and a sense of community uh, for like-minded individuals that are looking to work on their business. So I think it's great and it's completely free. There's no, there's no gimmicky stuff there. It's just truly people that are there to just help you help each other. And really a lot of it's just kind of fun banter among fellow business professionals. And I think that that can be something that we're missing, especially in this day of COVID, um, fallout in the pandemic and what have you. So Back to the show, shall we? <laughs> so both the uh, the strategic and the tactical perspectives, um, they're going to align the concept of, of kind of leadership and management. It's going to be kind of the focus. And so the strategic, uh, we'll, we'll break this down. We'll go through each one um, of the top four, and we will look at it from a, from a strategic and a tactical level. So starting at numero quattro, right? Um, which should be flexibility, right? So, so this, uh, actually, you know what? We're going to flip it. We're going to, we're going to work our way down on this one. I want to start with number one and we'll go down, um, because they're, these are all super important. Obviously they've, they've lasted the kind of the test of time in the sense of that they were there pre pandemic and post pandemic. If you call right now, post pandemic, don't read too far into that. I just mean currently with where we're at right now. So... Lack of opportunities. That's where we're going to start. Um, to address this, we have to first look at um, the why. Like, why is this important to people? Why do people care about the advancement of opportunities and, 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 and opportunities for advancement? And some focal points of this can be on the financial benefits, right? As you get promoted, as you get advanced, then you get more pay. And, you know, who doesn't want a little bit more... Uh, financial security and a little bit more breathing room and you know the ability to buy a little bit nicer stuff who doesn't want that and, you know if, if you when it just feels good to get to a point where you don't have to think about you know modulating your grocery trip 
because you're getting paid enough. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be like, oh, I'd like to be able to buy these groceries over here too. And I just, you know, I've really got to, I got to wait till the next paycheck. So let's just get kind of some of the staples and we can make our way by, right? That's rough. So getting up to the next point is huge for people. And a lot of people see that, you know, the only way to get there is through, you know, promotions. Um, and others might be looking more for, I mean, they, they might be looking for status. They might be looking for to, to be able to say, I am the VP of sales and marketing, you know, or whatever. Um, and others still might be looking for opportunities to lead and collaborate and to, to design and, and things like that and to, to do the management side. A lot of you know, a lot of people, a lot of people want to like the thing of like, I want to manage, but you know, a lot of people say, I want to lead, um, which are very different things. Uh, you know, textbook leadership falls under management. I just see them as two um, kind of different spheres that have overlap, Venn diagram style. Not going to dive into the specifics of that today, however. Um, so when we're looking at addressing this from a strategic level, uh, you really want to think about this whenever you're bringing people on. So if you've already have an organization with a lot of people and you haven't been doing this, it's okay. It's not a huge deal, but you really should in, in your future campaigns. And when you're thinking about, uh, filling positions that have limited or no advancement opportunities, um, you or your sub leaders or whoever's responsible for making the job postings and whoever's responsible for actually conducting the interviews, you really need to be clear about this. Like there's no reason to beat around the bush. I would dare to say that it is an ethical um, and moral stance to take to say that you should be straightforward to say like, Hey, listen, this job is going to pay this amount. And it's not like there's, we're not looking to progress people to VP of sales. Like you're going to come here, you're going to be a salesperson and these are your opportunities while you're here. Um, it might not be great in that. Maybe it's a second interview thing. You know what I mean? Like, but it should be incorporated in, in some sense. Um, hopefully people are smart enough to be asking these questions, but sometimes people are just too excited about job opportunities and they don't think about it until they get there. And that's not an, that's not an obstacle that needs to be left you know, on the road later on when they get there and they're like, and they start working, they work for a couple of weeks and they're like, okay, I'm really starting to get this. And I see how the system works. And like, now what do I need to do in order to, to make it up to the next notch? You know, not saying that they think that they're going to get promoted in the next, you know, couple of months, you know, but it's something that's like, okay, well, if I know the system and I understand that it's okay, I, I, you know, these are the things I need to do in order to get here in order to get to that spot, even if it's three, four years down the road, let me make sure I'm doing those things. Let me make sure I'm working on the skills that are necessary in order to, to hit those marks. You know, and if I don't have that, it's kind of hard to, you don't really, you, you don't have that framework to work with and to know that like you're progressing, you're getting better other than, especially if you're looking at sales, like my numbers are good and they're still really good and I'm competitive amongst the teams and there we go. But it's like, it's, you lose that sense of novelty. Like I was talking about earlier, you lose that sense of there's, there's something new and there's a new problem set and all of this. Um, and so you want to be clear, right? You want to let people know that this is the position you're going to be doing this and your outlook for this is this many years, whatever. Um, and then because what happens then is, you know, they get down, they get in, they get excited and they get there and then they find out that there's no opportunities for growth. And then 
it almost becomes like a, an unnecessary obstacle that you left on the road. That's like, you know, it's on the road, like a couple miles up and like, you just, Hey, they'll get to it when they get to it. And they'll, we'll deal with it when they're, when they come to it. But like, no man, just like, let them know. Like, Hey, there's, there's this obstacle up ahead. You know, <laughs> it's, it's there. I want to be straightforward with you. I want to let you know because transparency and honesty is important. I'm, you know, doing this as a, as a vote to my, you know, as a, as a testament to my belief in that. And I hope that it's reciprocated that you feel comfortable to be honest with us about what's going on with you. Um, and it may, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't sound particularly fun because it's not because you never want to use, you never want to not sell people in the position. It's, you're, when you're looking to hire somebody, you're looking to bring somebody on. You're, you, you, there's a reason you have a, you have a demand, you have a need that's not being met. And so you need to bring people on in order to do that. Um, but you should be real with people. And that is a good, <laughs> it's a, that is a good moral and ethical stance to take. Um, so do with it what you will. Hopefully you do with it and not without it. Now, tactically, um, now there's not necessarily always a path to promotion for everyone, but that doesn't mean that you can't generate opportunities for people to step up and perform in new and exciting and challenging ways to create that sense of novelty and that, that, you know, that kind of thrill of having something new to do. Um, you know, you want to look for those opportunities to challenge your talent, challenge your employees with, and, and find ways to get tangible results that are associated with that task, right? You know, I just want to, and want a pat on the back and the name on the wall, like employee of the month. Like, now listen, do those things for sure. Do those things, but that's not enough. That's not enough. That's, that's old thinking. That's not flowing with the transformation. Like we talked about of, of the workforce's mindset, um, in the workplace anymore. So, you know, it's those still matter. And it's still important for you to acknowledge good work and to be specific about it. Um, but it's it's not enough. And so you want to be able to tie the quality of their performance with the business outcomes. And then you can even personalize it to them, right? Like, so some people might need might need help with childcare and some people might not. Some people might not have kids. And so these are types of tangible rewards and stuff that you can give for them. Um, but I wanted to dive into an example, right? So... I kind of wrote this up uh, for a sales rep. So the obvious go-to for a sales rep when it comes to, you know, this idea is, you know, you set up a target number for them to hit each quarter. And then when they do so, they get a financial bonus, right? Like, okay, cool. Like you sold 10,000 units. And so now you get, you know, $25,000 bonus. I don't, whatever. It's just, you guys get it. You know, this can work. And it does work. There's a reason that people continue to do it, but there's also a reason we're seeing people quit their jobs a lot. And so, and it's because this is really missing some key elements um, that are really readily available um, that address additional issues on the list of why people quit, right? As we go down, you'll see how these apply into the other ones as well. So one of the things you could do um, is you could actually assign people to a team where they're working towards a collaborative goal, right? So don't make individual goals, make collaborative goals, make set up teams, use your sub leaders, right? Like delegate. If you have, if you're spread out across the world or you're spread out across the country and you have a bunch of different divisions, cool. Like, you know, 
apply this as as appropriate like but just so if you have sub leaders that are running teams and managers and stuff then use those people and say hey like i this is what i would like to see i'd like to see teamwork i'd like to see us emphasize that i i want i'm structuring incentives based on teams and let's see what we can do with that and then they can build the teams like you guys build the teams however you want so but a way that you could do is they build a team and let's say that every quarter you could do a rotating team kind of a thing where maybe you keep the same maybe you have teams of, of five people and or let's make it easy let's say there's teams of four people and every quarter that team has one person inside the team be the leader so the leader for that quarter and then that quarter's over hey cool assess the results look at what you guys did now we're going to shift it somebody else in the group is going to be the leader and that's a way that you put these people in different positions of leadership and different styles and approaches they get to try things out um while getting counseling and mentoring from those subordinate leaders of yours you know their senior leaders but and, and then those again this you got to be doing this too right like you gotta you gotta be counseling your leaders as they're counseling their uh their team members um otherwise none of this really works so but you know you might have some what this does you know when when you do this is that that this allows people to really leverage their strengths right and people can kind of volunteer those up in the group and you might be more comfortable to do that because you're not dealing with um your leaders you're not saying well i'm not really great at cold calling so like you don't really if you're in sales you don't really want to tell that in your in the business of cold calling you don't really want to tell that to your um you know evaluating leader so but you might be more comfortable telling that to your group like to your group leader and they're like okay well you know what we could actually do is that we could have these two people do cold calls we could have this person do um demand generation and this person is really great at closing and so after we get those calls in we're going to shift them over to 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 this person and they're going to they're going to close right so you're going to create some generation you're going to you know create some demand we're going to be calling folks cold and this person's going to be closing everything right and then maybe that at the uh end of the first month they're like this didn't work at all like we've got to really look at what's going on um or it did work great and that's this is sustained you know but you're giving them the latitude to be able to operate in a way that they are um they're responsible for the ones uh for their own production and for their own output and the cool thing is, is that this actually addresses um the fourth one flexibility as well because within these groups you can you have the ability to to work it out in your team like hey listen we got our targets. We're going to set up, you know, a schedule. Like if the team ends up saying, we'll, we'll dive more into this later, you know, when we get into the flexibility, I want to you know, jump too far ahead of myself. Um, so, but what it does, what at the end of this, you know, it gives these people the opportunity to, to feel what it's like to lead. It gives them leadership experience and responsibilities. And, um, and another thing, another example of what you could do actually in this. So that's, that's one thing you want to do, but maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, so there's another kind of more outside the box, uh, approach you could take on a tactical level, which is you could look at, um, you know, internal training opportunities, create opportunities for people to train each other and may, and maybe you assign, um, like, okay, well, 
every month there's going to be a person or maybe there's going to be a little team that is assigned a book or a podcast to listen to or some articles to read, some business uh, research to do. And they're going to take their findings. They're going to take the strategies from the book, strategies from the podcasts, whatever. And they're going to aggregate that and they're going to like re they're going to redirect the energy of that and and apply it to the business and they'll they'll kind of do a presentation on it all right and so that gives them a chance to develop further expertise to understand the industry better to understand leadership mentorship and um and collaboration better um through these research opportunities and then to share those concepts with everyone else which gives everyone else the opportunity to learn and it creates that sense of novelty, that that kind of secret sauce, that extra juice that really gets people motivated, um, and it lets them know that you're invested in their future as well, even if it's if, even if there's not a direct link towards advancement um, in position in any near future. Now shifting to number two, pay and benefits. Um, it's an interesting one um, in the survey because they broke it up in one to the other. But looking at this, the strategic uh, strategies that you could take are, you know, there's, um, there's, there's an interesting view that you could kind of look at when it comes to uh, the military and how they structure pay and everything and how they, they make it, they use pay in such a way that makes it hard for people to, um, and there was a hummingbird just outside the window. That's pretty cool. Sorry for the, the squirrel or I guess bird. <laughs> My inner dog's coming out, but it literally just flew up right behind the camera. There's a window right behind you guys. And, uh, and a hummingbird just sat there and just looking right at me. Just like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> that was pretty cool. A little insight into the, you know, breaking down the, what is the fourth wall here? Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so the army, right? Um, the way that they do it, the way that they like kind of uh, encourage people to stick around uh, is by making them feel very uncomfortable leaving. And they do that through pay um, and the way that they structure the pay. So everyone based on your rank and your time in service uh, gets a certain amount of pay, right? Uh, a, a private straight into the army gets very little amount every month. Um, but a, a, them and uh, the senior officers they they had their pay broken down this way and this is this is not going to include every single type of entitlement or allotment that comes uh to all soldiers it's the basic ones that go essentially to everyone there's three ways that they get money there's bah bas and basic pay allowance so you have three allowances one is the bah is a basic allowance for housing the bas is a basic allowance for think it's sustenance it's it's for food um and then there's a and then there's your base pay like this is just your pay for working so the allowance for food was something like three four hundred dollars so there was no illusion as to like this is going to pay all of your food stuff it's like this helps offset the cost for food like we're we're paying you this is what your pay is but because we care about you we want to make sure that we give you this this extra money for food you know like because we're thinking about you and your ability to eat and then, you know what? We want to make sure that you have enough to be able to pay for housing. Um, and so we want to, you know, we want to look at where you're at. And let's give you a, a, a rate based off of the zip code of the base that you're stationed at. And then you'll get that every month, right? And so this actually saves them a ton of money because they're able to 
one, they're able to use a value kind of structure behind it um, that says, you know, we care about you. We're just, look, we're giving you money for food. And they don't have to actually worry about giving you enough money to pay for all your food. They're like, look, you're getting paid and then you get this money for food. Barely anything, especially for a family. Um, but it's something and it's there and it's and it's specifically there for food. So that's cool. Um, and then you get, but the housing is the big one. And that's, for instance, this is how much it can change. So when I was stationed at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, which for those who are not familiar, that is um, very close. To, it's Northern Virginia, very close to the DC. It's like within, I think it's technically within the NCR, the National Capital Region. Um, and so the my BAH as a staff sergeant and sergeant first class was something like $2,500 ish right just under that I think um, $2,500 a month just for paying for housing because it's how expensive housing was around that base um, now compare that to when I was stationed at Fort Stewart Georgia which was like 45 minutes southwest of Savannah kind of in uh the middle of nowhere uh that was like 1700 a month maybe 1200 something something not very much okay is is the point comparatively but it matched you know the cost of housing around that area and so i was like okay well i got this for housing and the cool thing about that was is like if i if you live on post they just take it if you live in base housing they just took the money so for private businesses it's really enough you guys aren't really like providing housing that people could just live in but um you know people can choose to do with that what they want and so could soldiers if you lived off post then you could choose to live in a dump and bank money or you could choose to you know max it out and you know get the most bang for your buck um when it comes to like quality of house and space and that stuff and so I've saw people do both. I've actually done both of those things. And so, but you give people the kind of freedom to be able to operate within there, but you're giving them again. It's like, whoa, man, they're not only are they giving me pay, but they're giving me money for food and they're giving me money for housing. And for me, I was airborne. So I got like, uh, while I was airborne, I got money like hazardous duty pay, which was like 150 bucks a month, 150 bucks. So I was paid to jump out of airplanes. So, you know, extra 150, whoop, whoop. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, anyway, um, the point is that, you know, you could, you could model like businesses could do this. Like you could, you could really model your stuff based off this. You're like, Hey, you know what? Um, we want to offset the cost of your living. So we're going to give you this much money for, you know, um, for housing, for housing benefits. And we want to, we want to make sure you're taking care of, like, we want to make sure that you can feed your family. So you know what? We're going to give you an, uh, a stipend, an extra, an extra allowance that's, uh, that's for food, right? Um, and you know, that's going to go on top of your base pay. It's going to go on, don't worry about it. It's going to go on top of your base pay. Um, but, and then, you know, and then like, if you're doing commissions, like, okay, well, you're going to get your commission, right? And you're going to get, and we're going to make sure that you, you know, we're going to give you money so that you have money to be able to eat. And we're going to give you money so you can take care of your house. And we're going to, uh, you know, give you bonuses quarterly if you hit these targets. And you might say, well, yeah, sure. That's nice, Matt. Like, if we could just pay everyone all of the money, then this wouldn't be an issue. Um, and that's not what so the thing is here. <laughs> if you look at the military model, we didn't get paid very much in our base pay. The base pay is not great. Um, but it was offset by those things. So if you reduce the amount of the base pay but you offset it with with these other things you can actually end up paying 
less. So, so maybe they make a less of a percentage off their commission than your competitors do. And so, but let's let's think about this as the person seeing it, right? We're gonna look at like kind of the tactical, shifting this right into the tactical. So if you if you structure your postings, your job postings this way, what a person's going to see and what's going to be very enticing to them is if you look at these two job postings side by side, like commissions, uh, you know, 25% commission and um, potential quarterly bonuses. Cool. Then you look at this other job post and you're like, um, 17% commissions, um, you know, money allocated for housing, guaranteed money for uh, housing, guaranteed uh, money for food, um, potential quarterly uh, bonuses as well, right? Then you're like, dang, one, two, three, four, you know, versus this one, two, like very bland and kind of expected. Like, oh, that's, that's really interesting. I haven't seen that. Like, I didn't know that they could do that. And really what you might be doing is end up saving yourself a lot of money by giving them these kind of guaranteed baseline funds, um, you know, and, and not just giving them those like, hey, here's a base salary, but like, I'm going to tell you what I'm giving you this for, right? You know, I, you, know what, you know what? And if you need it, like, we have the option for childcare funds as well. Boom, and and you could still like you got to work out the numbers. You got to see if it actually works and what works for you and what you're what you're willing to offer. Um, but it's you know then you have a fifth one in there and child's child care uh, assistance as well. All right, so it's this way to make it uh, tangibly more uh, uh, more enticing for that talent when they're looking at and they're comparing you on Indeed, you know, or whatever. So. Um, so that's kind of looking at the at the tactical side, right? And so then we shift ourselves into the next one, which is management and environment. And so when you're thinking about this, it's you know from a strategic level, the way that your leaders and your managers operate and their 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 management approach, it's a reflection of your business, right? Like when, if if you're if you've ever worked for anybody, assuming everyone here has. Uh, you never, it's, it's very common for you to work for somebody and they're like, they're the leader, they're, they're your supervisor and they're running the show from your perspective in your corner and they're, you know, whatever they're, they're brash, they curse, they're, you know, that's, they are rude and all you know these let's say a bunch of bad characteristics of a leader right and you're like oh well if that's who they promote into leadership then that's like that's what this company's about and i don't know if i'm all about that right so that kind of goes back into the one that i called an outlier like fit for the job environment workplace you know management fit for the job you know like all of these things go into there and so you really want to be looking at carefully selecting the people that you're bringing into management it's very easily said um and kind of obvious but you also want to take the leaders that you have and, and provide them provide them with opportunities to grow we talked about creating opportunities for those people without you know advancement opportunities um but you want to create opportunities for growth and these same kind of novelty experiences for your subordinate leaders as well you know you can If, if you want to set up an environment that is 
you know, conducive to people sticking around to keeping your top talent, then you need to be encouraging your leaders to take on strategies that are conducive to that end, right? <laughs> like so, um, you know, and you gotta you have to know your leaders. You have to know what they're good at and where where they need development. You know, they they need to be developing all sorts of skills. They need to be developing, uh, you know, leadership skills, which is really general silly thing to say but uh you know they need to be developing professional relationships with with your talent with the with the employees and their subordinates um and that's huge i actually just read a research paper that was all about in sales the i know i keep using that as an example and this does not go just for sales this goes for every single industry out there so um but it's just it's just an easy one to kind of work with but it talked about the importance of, you know, the quality of output and performance an employee would give you when it is um, tied with and not tied with a, a shared values and a relationship with their um, with their manager. When we look at this from a tactical perspective, you know, one of the things that I've liked and that I've seen is that so a lot of times senior the most senior leaders the CEOs and stuff they'll they'll assign reading and research like I said uh, for, for the other for your other um, like lower level employees but you do this for your leadership on it you have a different you have a different reading list and you can get almost like create a freaking book club you know and and who knows they might actually enjoy this you can actually turn it into something fun you can liven it up it doesn't have to be this like now we're going into the conference room and we're all going to sit down if, now if that's the way you want to run it do your thing i'm all about it but if you want to create an environment where i don't know maybe they can bring their spouses and maybe they can bring the kids in and they can run around and you bring a bunch of pizzas and everyone hangs out and you're like hey we're going to talk about the book that we read and, you know how's everyone doing what do you think you know um there are ways to do this and you can establish more rapport and relationship even with, with your leadership. And then you can really work on these skills that you think are important. And the beautiful thing is you, you set the tone, right? Like you set the books. Like these are the books that I, that I think have very important skills that I want my leaders to have when they're leading um, my group. And, and, and they set the tone for the type of tenor that I want in the organization. And it doesn't have to just be books. Again, it can be podcasts. It can, it, it can be your own stuff. You could write something up and have them read it. And then, and then you guys can do a discussion about it. Like, these are the things that, that matter. And then have them do research. If you have company ethics or, or, you know, your mission statement. Like, I want you guys to research stuff about this mission statement and, and, and what you think it means. And then we're going to come in and we're going to talk about it. We're going to have some pizza. You should, maybe we'll even drink some beers. Totally up to you. Um, but like I said before, pro tip here. You should be, you know, you're, you're trying to make sure that your leaders are effectively counseling your, um, your low level talent, like your entry level talent. And one, one of the ways you can do that is by giving them the tools, giving them the resources in order to understand how to do that. Maybe even bring people in who are, who are experts, bring in some consultants about developing relationships in the workplace. I fall into that category, but there are many of us out there that, that provide these types of services. Um, and so you can do that, right? You can, you can bring people in to have that talk and then you guys can have a powwow about it afterwards. Like, Hey, what did you guys think? Like, what did you buy into? What did you not buy into? Um, but the, the, 
the pro tip here is that, you know, we're really working on making sure that our leaders are counseling our entry-level employees uh, effectively, but we want to make sure that you're counseling your subordinate leaders um, effectively as well. And so you want to, and, and part of an effective counseling is that counseling existing, right? Actually doing it. So we talk about this all the time of counseling. We got to counsel, we got to professionally develop, you know, we got to look at these things. This is so important. And then we never do like, oh, it's, it's blown away. That's, you know, schedule this stuff in, like put it in the calendar, put it out to everyone. Like, Hey, third Friday of every month, the afternoon, we're not working. Like we are, we are working, but we're doing it's professional development third Friday every month. That's when you guys are going to do your counseling. And guess what? On Monday after that, I'm going to counsel you guys marketing the books. We're doing it. You guys are going to show up two hours early. Your leaders, guess what? You have more responsibilities. You're showing up two hours early or, you know, you know, break it up however you want. Like, you this day, you this day, you this day. It just depends on the size and scope of your team. You get it. I like the idea of counseling my leaders after they counsel their soldiers because I don't want the, um, if I have critiques, like like one, I can, they do their counselings and then I can ask them about it, right? Like, hey, how'd it go? What, like, we talked about these strategies. We had this person come in and talk to us about it. Um, we read this book. What are you implementing? Like, what did you implement? How did that go? And then they say, oh, well, you know, I decided to take this and this, and this is the way we're going to go. And this is the kind of feedback that we had. And I feel really good. Or, you know, it didn't really hit. I've tried doing this thing. It didn't, and like, there seems to be some space. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to close the gap. And then you can help counsel them to get there. Right. Um, and that's crucial. And so that's, I think that's huge for you to do your counseling with your leaders kind of um, sequentially after they do that and because then you can have that kind of counseling. And then also if you have critiques on them, then they don't bring that negative energy to the counseling and have that kind of uh, negativity, that stuff rolling downhill, so we say. So, um, and then the, the last one, we've really touched on this a lot actually in the first piece as well, but it's the flexibility, right? This can be related uh, back to the autonomy, right? So we didn't, I didn't use that word, but that's really what it is. When we talked about giving people the latitude to be able to operate in their own teams, that's what we're talking about. And when people are, are talking about flexibility, they want more hours, they want less hours, you know, they want flexible hours. How do we do that? You know, if we have a structure and we have this work week, like, well, what concepts are we taking in and holding, you know, strategic level? What what concepts are we taking in and holding on to that but maybe we don't have to? Maybe we don't have to hold to we need to be in the office uh five days a week. Maybe we don't need to hold on to the idea that we need to be out of the office forever. Maybe we have one day of the week in the office um, for, you know, a little bit of in-person connection because we think that that's really important. Um, maybe, you know, we're leaving that autonomy up to the small teams. Like, hey, listen, we have a mission. Like, we need to sell this many widgets by this time in order to pay the bills. And we need to sell this many in order to, um, to you know, if we have investors and they need to see this kind of growth, um, you know, whatever the case may be like, but lay it out to them. That's a whole other conversation. I don't want to dive too much into it. Be open with your people about why these targets exist. What are the impacts of hitting them? And what are the impacts of not hitting them? Um, and especially when you get above your target and you say, hey, if we get this far above it, like we're going to be able to look at expanding this division over here. Like we're going to be able to hire some more people in for sales and that's going to be huge. Like we're going to, like you guys' stress is going to be alleviated. Um, you know, your, your income is not going to be affected, but we're just going to be able to expand, right? And your, your stress should be able to be reduced because we have more people doing the work. 
So, um, or maybe it's, you know, like you have a huge portion of people that are, are, that have families. You're like, okay, you know, guess what? We're going to bring in in-house childcare if we get to this number, right? And we're going to be able to bring them in and then have that and sustain that. But we got to get to that number. Like, think about how much that ties people into that goal. Like, I just said I didn't want to, like, dive into this. But sorry, I get passionate sometimes. Judge me. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, like I said, uh, you know, there was a in, – in the strategic essence of this, you have the idea of autonomy and empowerment, right? Giving people the latitude and, and encouragement to – to operate in their own way. Like if you, if your team says that you can work from home and you can accomplish these goals, get after it. You know, if you guys are working weird hours that aren't aligned with a normal business day and you can hit your goals, get after it. Like find what works for you. And and, and my, my goal is to sell this many widgets, right? You know, if those widgets get sold, I don't really care how you did it. Like that's, releasing that's that delegation releasing of the of the gripping providing them with the autonomy and empowerment um but when we looked at that look at the tactical level um we want them to really the big thing is like i was just saying it's it's that's kind of was diving into the tactical a little bit was we want to get the heck out of the way we want to give them the autonomy we want to give them the empower we want to empower them to do this like hey listen this is on you baby you got it you need support as a sub leader, make sure your subordinates leaders are letting your uh, your team leads that they're assigning in this example that we've kind of been running through this whole time. Um, make sure that they're providing them with the support they need and, and checking in, you know, so that way it's, you know, if stuff is coming up like, hey, listen, I feel like I'm over my head. We have the system. It's feel like it's getting out of control. This person's not really contributing in the way I thought. And I don't really feel like I have the authority to do anything about it. Um, then you can you can talk about it. then that leader your subordinate leader can go over there and like oh let me talk to Johnny and see what Johnny's up to like maybe he is screwing off at night and he's not making the calls he's supposed to but uh but you really want you want to step out of the way though and just do check-ins just do check-ins it's kind of that that is the tactical level here is get out of the way let empower your people and you'll see that when people are tied in when people are in charge of their destiny uh, most people are going to feel a greater sense of responsibility because they they're the ones who made it right and so they can't blame poor performance on the system like oh well you know you wanted me to call this this list during these hours and that's just it's not very good and i couldn't do it you know it didn't, didn't work out well but if like okay well you're in charge of of setting your eyes you're in charge of calling who you're going to call when you're going to call them make it happen you know and then they're like, oh, I really have to work my butt off. And then if I'm not seeing results, I kind of, I know I got to change something because this is on me. Like, you know, and so there's a higher level of, of integrated responsibility there. And now, like I said, remember, uh, I think it's really important to make sure that you are rotating these team leads. So if, in this example, and, and extrapolate this as needed for however you're looking to implement these ideas and these concepts. But if you're taking on this kind of, this idea of you're creating opportunities for people to, to take on new novel roles, uh, rotate it, right? Like get people in different positions, give people different opportunities, keep looking for different ways for people to, to step up and engage and, and, and grow and be challenged. I think that that's huge. It's very important. So I know we didn't hit like every single point of the surveys. 
Um, but we did kind of crush the top reasons. We aligned them. We looked at the top reasons. And really the bottom line here is that the pandemic didn't necessarily create brand new reasons why people were quitting, but it really did exacerbate a lot of the ones that were there, kind of shifted the order a little bit. People's uh, priorities are, are changing and we're starting to see that. We're starting to see this push of, of a sense of belonging is missing, uh, uh, a sense of control over your, your environment is missing. And these are huge things that you can implement very easily. Like when we look at the list, we want to take on a very stoic kind of mindset that, that, that says, I'm going to control the things I can control, right? Maybe, maybe you're a midline supervisor and you're like, I can't control how much they're being paid, right? Like none of that's on me. I can pitch this to the boss. He's going to shoot it down. We're not going to restructure it and pay food stipends. Sorry, Matt. Like got anything else? Like here's the thing. That's for the CEOs. That's for the people running the show. Now, for you, if you're a midline supervisor, look at the things you can control, right? Look at what you can you can implement. You don't have to wait for your boss to say, hey, I think it's a good idea to do, uh, to do some outside research, to assign some books and do some reading. Like, you can do that. Just do it, you know? And then if your boss has a problem with that, like, are you assigning them stuff to read outside of work? I never authorized that. Well, it's here are the books. It's about their professional development. I'm giving them opportunities to lead and some person's going to conduct a training on this and create a presentation and they're going to deliver it and they're going to extol that information out to the rest of the group. Um, is there a problem? <laughs> you know, like if I'm the boss, I'm like, "Get it, bro." Like that's what I'm talking about. Like that is exactly it. That's the energy I'm looking for. Take, you know, uh, take the initiative, go forward, take that step forward. You see that, like, that's huge. That's, that's a huge development. I would, oh my gosh, what I would do to have people like that working for me. Um, but yeah, that's as, as the environment continues to shift and as we start to see this, really this transformation continue to mature, um, I think we're going to, we're gonna have to be really focused. We're gonna have to work a lot harder to to make sure that we're aware of what those trends are and why people are not sticking with their job and why people are looking for new opportunities and what is it that's keeping people there. And part of the reasons that people stay where they're at is the reasons that they're leaving. If they're leaving because you know the pay is better somewhere else, then you gotta look at that. If they're leaving because they are looking for abilities to advance, you know, you can create that even if you don't have a direct line of path of succession for people to be able to climb up. You know, you just gotta, you guys think outside the box, you know, and we gave some examples here. So, you know, setting up systems, endorsing autonomy, focusing on empowering your talent, looking for ways to inject novelty into the system you know these are the things that are going to produce significant shifts within your organization and and those are the things that are going to give you as like i said as this transformation matures and matures and matures that's going to be the thing that gives you the competitive advantage in this talent war over the great resignation and far beyond the great resignation because there's going to be a point in time when this levels out and we're going to get back to kind of normal quit rates Maybe, maybe, 
maybe this is going to be a thing that's just like the new norm is that people quit a lot more. But you can insulate yourself from that. You know, if you're not looking to operate with a bunch of, um, you know, kind of contractors or, you know, like, um, kind of solopreneurs, like bringing people in for particular projects and stuff like that, then, uh, and you want long-term employees that are, that are bought into the mission. These are the things that you can do. This is, this, this, this is a path to get there. And even if you don't take the specific tactical approaches that I provided, um, the strategies, like the big picture stuff, that's where you want to gear this towards. This is this is all backed in in the IO psych. It's all backed in in the research studies. This is what the people are saying. So listen, listen to what the people are saying, and do something. Take action today. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you coming back. And I'll see you here again next week for another episode with me, Matt Listalia. Until then. Keep on doing great things. Keep on taking care of your people. Make sure that you take care of yourself too. See you guys next time.